This morning, again, we're in our Advent series. Uh, we do this every year, and so these are always a challenge for me. These are always a challenge for me because it's the same messages every year, the same, at least the same topics. It's the same thing. So last week we looked at hope. This week we're looking at love and that the fact that Christ came down and brought to us, showed us, introduced to us true, true, authentic, real love. Advent is all about anticipation. It's all about waiting the arrival of a notable person. Like if you look up what the word Advent means, it's really waiting for the arrival of somebody important. To the Hebrew people, it was about waiting for that coming Messiah, the anticipation of the one who would redeem, the one who would restore. And there was a longing that's tied to it. I was thinking about that this week and the idea of longing the idea of desiring something with such an intensity that I just can't wait. I've been feeling the brokenness of this world, like for the last few years, right? I brought it up last year, this time, like the blessing of 2020 and 2021 and 2022, like just kind of seems like we're, it's like kind of like ground, Groundhog's Day, you know, like between viruses and politics and all this, it's just the same old stuff. And it's just the same old brokenness, and it's the same old heaviness, and I am longing to go home. Amen. Honestly, like I'm longing when I get to see that love that Ruth just shared with us face to face. When my faith becomes sight, because there is truly this beautiful thing about the Advent. You think about the people of God. Israel, over the years, <clears throat> waiting for their Redeemer, waiting for the Messiah for thousands of years. And this Advent is where we look at the manger, right? We look at the manger. We look at this manger full of hay. We see how the longing of the people of God is fulfilled in Christ Jesus. The thing that they've desired so much, fulfilled in a baby, that longing for hope fulfilled in the coming of Christ. The longing for peace fulfilled in the Messiah. The longing for joy fulfilled in Jesus. And today, our longing for love found in our Heavenly Father, sending His Son, that eternal Word who put on flesh, that corruptible, to dwell among us. Love came down. Right? It's the difference between Christianity and almost every other religion in the world. Right? Every other religion, for the most part, is about pursuing God. It's about us getting to Him. Us being good enough, right enough, doing the right things, being good enough so that we actually attain God. Or God's status in some religions. But in Christianity, God came to us. God came down. God condescended. There was no way for us to approach a holy God who dwells in unapproachable lights. But that God, that holy God, that perfect God so loved the world that he gave himself, that he gave his son to fill every one of our longings. Even the longing for love. 
You know, there's an ache in every one of us. There's that longing in every one of us. And we try to fill it with everything else. There's a lot of times where we just can't put our finger on the ache. There's something off. There's discord. There's an unsettledness to our spirit. So we try to fill it with money and success and maybe a promotion, a job change or whatever it is. We try to fill it with relationships. We try to fill it with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or, or with something significant like that. Maybe we even try to fulfill it in, in our kids. But there's an ache and a longing inside of us that is only filled by the coming of the Messiah. In the coming of love, in the coming of peace, in the coming of hope, in the coming of joy. That's that ache that he was meant to, that longing that he was meant to answer. It's hard for us to see past the facades of that ache to see past the curtains of that longing, the layers of the hurts and the pains, right? It shows up in our lives in so many different ways, that brokenness. Hopefully we have spiritual eyes that those calluses fall off and we can see them for what they truly are, that it's not God neglecting us, that it's not God ignoring us, that it's not God uh, showing us that he doesn't care, but it is God showing us the reality that every earthly attempt... Every attempt to answer the ache, to answer the longing in humanity, all those natural fleshly attempts are designed to fail. They're designed to fall short. Success isn't going to do it. Relationships aren't going to do it. It is only going to be satisfied in Christ Jesus. The answer is Jesus. The answer is a babe in a manger. So last week we looked at hope. Josh stepped in and preached. Again, I heard it was awesome. I was a little bit nervous to come back. Hope is essential in our lives. Right? Hope is essential in our lives. There's studies about hope and its, and its um, connection to recovery. Right? When someone loses hope, man, it, recovery plummets. For us to press on that, that change is possible, that better is possible, that restoration and redemption is possible. And for the believer, like for you and me, when our hope is in Christ and in his word, right? Change, restoration, redemption of all that is broken is not only possible, but it's promised. Do you get that? It's not only possible, it's not just that there's a hope, that there's a possibility of redemption and restoration, but there is a promise rooted in a God who does not change and in his word that does not fail. There is a promise of redemption. There is a promise of restoration. There is a promise of hope because of a babe in a manger. The hope of the world is based on probability. The hope of the believer is based in promise. Words spoken, like I said, by a God who cannot lie and who never changes. See, we are not a people of desperate wish-making, hoping for something to come true, but we are a people of promise rooted in the faithfulness of a God who does not change and the truth of his unchanging, unending, infallible word. So today we shift gears. Like I said, we're focusing in on Advent love, so let's read our text again. 
First John, if you have your Bible, turn to chapter 4. And flip on your device. I'm hoping you're not on Instagram, but that's okay too. <clears throat> Beloved, let us love one another. For love comes from God. I have a hard time reading this without singing an old kid song. Maybe you guys know the kid song I'm talking about. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Clap, clap, clap. If you're with me, okay. Anyone who does not love, thank you, you're, not, you're with me, does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loves us, we also ought to love one another. So no one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And so let's pray one more time before we dig into this a little more. And as we do this, I do this once in a while, and so I'm going to do it again here today. I just want you to pray. Um, I'm not going to pray. I'm not, well, maybe I will pray out loud. But a lot of times it's real passive, and you just let the pastor pray, and your minds just kind of sit there and you check out. But there, there's, there's things that God wants to do with you and in you and through you and change to do in you in this service, and I hope you have an expectation when you show up. And so whatever that is, you pray it now. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit alive in your people. And I thank you for all the prayers that were just prayed. God, answer prayer, I pray. I pray that you would answer those prayers. That you would meet us today. That you would satisfy the longing that you've placed in our hearts with you. And ultimately, that these lives would live to the glory of Jesus. We ask this in that name. Everyone said, Amen. Verse 7 again, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So, there's something that I don't understand, and you hear it in culture a lot today. There's hashtags about it. There's just something that I don't understand. And, I, and honestly, I think I do understand, but I have a problem I have a problem with it. And it might not be for the reasons that you think, but there's a phrase that's really common nowadays that love is love, right? You know what I'm talking about? Hear that? People say, love is love. Hashtag love is love. And I guess I get it because people use it to say that it doesn't matter what type of relationship it is, whether it's rooted in God's expressed biblical design for mankind or not, but if it's two people that love each other, it doesn't matter because love is love. I have a real problem with it, like, because of English, because of, because of words, because of definitions, because you can't define a word with a word, right? Like, I can't say giraffe is giraffe and have it mean anything. Because you haven't said anything when you say those words. So when I, like, usually when we do stuff like this, when we try to define a word by the word itself, it's usually to maintain some sort of fluidity in the subject. 
so that we can like adjust meanings and make things mean whatever we want them to mean at the time. And so when people do this, it's, it's usually to serve our own purposes. <clears throat> but love has a meaning. It has a definition. It has an origin. Our verses today, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. It came from someplace. It is from God. Like you Comic-Con people, right? Anybody, all of you comic book, any comic book nerds in here? You Marvel people, DC people, I know you guys hate each other. It's okay. <laughs> you Comic-Con people, though, like you love a good or origin story. Like I hear this amongst my friends who like geek out about this stuff. Like there's a good backstory, how Spider-Man became Spider-Man, right? How Hulk became Hulk, like how they got their beginning, right? And I'm like growing up, like knowing a little bit about comic books and stuff, I'm, I'm surprised I haven't had more interactions with radioactivity, honestly, like these days. I would have thought I would come across more of this stuff. But love has an origin, it has a heritage, it has a, it has a background. Love is from God. It has a heritage to it. I think it's funny because it seems like more people these days are digging into their heritage. You've got these different apps, and you've got these different, pro like 23andMe and all that stuff, and I don't know if you take a swab, like spit or send it in or whatever it is, and they analyze where you came from. And apparently my mom did this, and I got some Neanderthal in me. I don't know what that means. So if you see me dragging my knuckles, just like, it's just, just who I am, okay? Don't judge me. But love has a heritage. Love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Love has an eternal quality because it is from God and God is love. I know it's hard to define what love is which means it's actually tough to actually understand it, which means it's actually tough to live it. Because the world's definition of love is so different. We use that word so flippantly. Like, I've heard multiple pastors, and I think I've even done it before. Like, I, we say love all the time. I love chicken wings. I love tacos. I love cheese. I love the green packers. I like, right? Like, what does it even mean? So many times, like, when you come up with a worldly definition of it, it's rooted in me. It's rooted in self. It's rooted in emotion and oftentimes has a transactional quality. Like, my love is only so far. My love goes so far. And as soon as you betray me or as soon as you hurt me or as soon as you uh, do something against me, I, I, I recoil. I pull back. The love that I thought I had for you, I, all of a sudden, it's not there because it was so emotional. It wasn't rooted in God. It was rooted in me. And so I pull it back. I take it back. I, I don't keep putting myself out there because you've betrayed me. You've hurt me. But is our love truly rooted in God? The love from God, that God is love, that thus who have been born of God, that we display a true love, not a me love, a, a worldly love, a true love that is from God. God's love is defined by him, and not just by him in his word, not just by him with words, but it's defined in him, in his character. And since we serve a triune God, right, Christ, 
the Emmanuel, the one who is God with us, he came down, and that Christ showed us what love is, who love is. He himself is love, his person, his nature, his essence. He defines it. And not just defines it as something outside of himself, but he defines it just by being himself. By existing, he defines it. Which means that whatever God does is loving. And I know sometimes that's hard for us to wrap our brains around when you read about this Old Testament God. Right? It's like God of the Old Testament was angry and intolerant. Right? He was like torching cities and, and like full of judgment or whatever. And then all of a sudden the New Testament comes in. Here's Jesus and God lightens up a little bit. But it's the same God. It is, it is one and the same. It is God is love. He doesn't shelf his love when all of a sudden his wrath shows up. All of his judgments are right and true because righteousness and truth are defined in him. And they are in beautiful harmony with his love in saving and redeeming some who would repent and believe on him even though they even though they are so absolutely deserving of hell and the wrath of God, but God, who is full of mercy, who is rich in mercy, who is gracious, he defines graciousness, he defines grace, he defines mercy. In his mercy, he saves and redeems his own. They're still undeserving, but in his mercy, because he is love. Verse 9 of our text again says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation of our sins, for our sins. How is the love of God, this real love, the love that's not like my love, the real love of God, the love that is from God, how is the love of God manifest? How is it made visible? How is it made plainly seen? A babe in a manger, right? Our text here says that God sent his son into the world that we might live through him. The person in the work of Jesus, that is how God has shown us what his real, true love is. The costly nature of that love. We look at how far it reaches. I think I mentioned this uh, in years past. From heaven to earth. From an exalted heavenly throne. Again, where he, where he dwells in unapproachable light. That place of perfect peace where there is no sin, no discord. Right? His heavenly home. He leaves that place and he enters here full of darkness, a place full of pain, a place full of hurt where sin has corrupted it, not just in deeds or act, but corrupted natures. Jesus goes from a throne to a manger to a feeding trough full of hay and animal spit because of love. Because of love, he put on flesh and dwelt among us. Because of love, because God so loved the world, Christmas, Advent brings clarity to God-defined real love. And one of the biggest things I see about love is that it reaches. It reaches. 
It reaches across the greatest of separations, the tallest of walls. Love overcomes and reaches. Makes me think of Romans chapter 8. That nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Verse 31 says, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God, that reaching love? Who can separate us? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long and we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. The love of God displayed in a manger. The love of God that reaches from heaven down to earth. Nothing will separate us, not even you. Do you get that? You can't mess this thing up if he has called you. How awesome is that? See, there's, there's this tension in us. Like, I used to describe it this way. Like, most of my upbringing, like, I was a, I've, been, I've been a Christian since I've been very, very young. And like the gospel is still becoming new to me and fresh to me every week, and I praise God for it. But I remember a specific time in my walk with Jesus. This was like into my 20s. Like this was into Bible school when I'm just realizing this. Because what I thought, like I knew I needed God's grace for salvation. I knew that he was gracious enough to save me. But there was this tension in me that I had to maintain it. Anybody? Like, I, I know that he saved me, but now I got to keep my act together and I need to get this right. And as soon as I fall, he pushes me away. And then I got to repent again and I got to fall on his grace and I got to fall. It's not like that. The same gospel that saves you is the one that sustains you. The same God who saves you, who, who, who applied his grace to you in salvation, applies his grace to you every day to keep you in his care. There are scriptures over and over and over again. That's why we're called God's elect, God's chosen people, because when he chooses you, he keeps you. It's not dependent on you. The righteousness of Christ is put on you because he loves you. Not even you can separate you from God. If he's called you, if he's called you according to his purpose, if he's called you and chosen you to be his, you're going to make it. I read a tweet this week. I forget who it was. He's like, I don't know who needs to hear this, but believer, if you are in Christ Jesus, he was like painting this picture of like a river. 
We cross in this river to get to the other side, right? We're just journeying through life. We're hoping to get to the other side. If you are in Christ Jesus, he's not going to leave one of us behind. He's not going to forget any of us. But he will see us through because of his love for us, because of his love for you. Not even you can mess it up. You're not too far gone. You haven't done so much. You haven't fallen one too many times. Repent. Fall on his grace and receive the mercy of God. Receive his love today. Receive his love today. I feel like I need to say that a few times because I don't think some of us are getting it. Like I think somebody in this room, some people in this room need to hear that today. Receive his love today. He loves you. He loves your mess. He's working. He's redeeming. Keep handing it to him. Keep giving it to him. Keep handing it to him. I don't know where I am right now. The love of God is reaching. The love of God reached across the greatest of divides from heaven down to earth because he loves us. Another element of God-defined love is that you see it all through Christ's life and, of course, in his death, that love, true love, God-defined love is self-denying. It's that taking up your cross and following him. I've had multiple times in my life where I've just gone, you know what, I haven't died enough. You feel that flesh rise up. You feel somebody hurt you and you immediately just want to jump on them. <laughs> Anybody? I'll be the only one, it's fine. Where you know you haven't died enough, that your flesh is still roaming around in there and you haven't crawled upon the altar of God and been that living sacrifice, right? That is my spiritual act of worship to offer myself as that living sacrifice where me, my flesh, my will, my ambition, my life is dead and I am now hidden in Christ Jesus. We know verses like John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And Christ did that for us. Go back to John, the book of John, right? When Jesus, the night that he was betrayed, he's around the table, he's sharing in that last supper, and he gets down and he washes his disciples' feet. Goes around the table and he's washing their feet and he's showing them what real love is. Even Judas, he knows Judas is going to betray him. He tells them in that meeting, in that dinner, go do what you're going to do. He washed his feet knowing that he was going to have him killed. I don't love like that. If I know you're going to betray me, let alone if you have yet already, like, but that's God to find love. That is me bringing my hurt to Jesus instead of my brother. That's me bringing my hurt and my pain and my betrayal to Jesus instead of taking it out on my spouse, instead of taking it out on my kids. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life. That is God's love for you, and that's what our love, our God-defined love, is supposed to be for each other. It's the love that he gives us by the birth of his Spirit. 
It's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. It's the first one given to us in that new life in the Spirit. We know verses like 1 Corinthians 13, what love is. Love is patient. I'm not patient. I'm not patient. I'm not talking about sitting in traffic patient. I'm talking about walking with people in their lives, feeling like you're beating your head against the wall because they just don't get the gospel. That's patience. Understanding that the Spirit of God is at work in His people, and He is moving, and He is working, having patience with each other. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Holy cow, this is not me. <laughs> it's not irritable. It's not resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things and it endures all things. What about you? Is your love real love? Is it God-defined love, actual love? Or are we using words without proper meaning? I love you, man. I love you, man. Do I love you? Is, am I reaching across the divide and am I laying myself down? Because that's what I see in God's love for me. That's what it means to be born of God. What gaps, what walls, what separations are between you and that person that is that struggle for you? Is your love reaching? Or have you used their actions, what they've done to you, how they've hurt you, how they've offended you or betrayed you to become that dividing wall that you won't reach across? The love of God reaches. Or have we even used their actions and their sin to justify our own sinful responses? Causing us to not truly love. Or have we made our love transactional, dependent on how they treat me? If we do this, it's not God love. It's not God-defined love. We're using words without proper meaning. Love is love. God is love. Love is from God. And if I'm going to love, it's going to have to look like this. Otherwise, I'm just using words without meaning. Just making stuff up. My throat was not ready for this. Let's look at our text again. Verse 10, it says, In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God's, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Here's another picture of love, that he sent his son, right? There's the manger. Sent his son to do what? To be the propitiation for our sins. We talked about this recently, actually, in our series um, called Answers in My Identity. We looked at propitiation briefly, right? Propitiation is basically this. God's wrath that is just, that is completely appropriate. When we think of God's wrath, we think of people going off the handle. Ever known somebody to, to fly off the handle a little bit? Right? Get angry and start flipping tables and stuff? God's wrath is not uh, reactionary. It's, it is completely just and calculated. 
God's wrath is completely right. And his wrath towards sin and towards sinners is completely right. Because, and, and that's because we have such a light view of sin. We gloss over our stuff all the time. Don't understand the weight and the separation and, the, and, and, and what it actually causes in us. But propitiation is that Christ took the wrath that was due me. The wrath of God that is just and right for sin and sinners, me, us, was put on Jesus, nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Remember that song? It's put on him. God sent his son in a manger to be the propitiation to take his wrath. Not holding it against me. Not counting it again, right? I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, right? When it's talking about the ministry of reconciliation, right? Where he took our sins and he doesn't count them against us any longer. Right? Where love keeps no record of wrong. That God defined, God reaching, God reaching love is not transactional, not contingent on that other person, but it's sacrificial to the death of me for the glory of Christ. And if we don't love really love, God defined reaching love, dying to self-love, if we excuse our selfishness, if we excuse our lack of laying down our lives, we don't know God. That's plain in our text. If we don't love like this, where is it? Oh man, I think I missed it. Anyways, it's in there. You saw it in there earlier. It says that we don't know God. If you don't love, you don't know God. If you don't love, like, if you don't actually use, like, if you don't actually love, which it has to be love that is like God's love, otherwise it's not love, it's a made-up mutant of love. It's emotion, it's self-driven. If we don't love like this, we don't know God, because God is love. When I was a youth pastor back in the day, um, actually, I, I started Uprise down in Bayview. Um, Back, back in the day, it was awesome. And I, I was like trying to come up with like a mission statement. Like what, like what, is, our, what is our youth group going to be like? Like what's going to drive us? What's going to push us? And of course, Christ. But I was like trying to make it real simple. And the only thing that I could really come up with is that we're, we're going to be so, we're going to be such a safe place, saturated with the love of Jesus. Teenagers, right? Teenagers need a safe space. We all need a safe space. Let's just be, let's just be honest with that one. World is not safe. We all need to save. But we, we wanted to be a safe place where kids could experience the true love of Jesus because the love of Christ is the most revolutionary thing the world has ever seen because it's this kind of love. Not transactional, not self-motivated, not, not selfish. It's reaching and it's giving. So we tried to build a youth group based on that and it was amazing to see what God did in the lives of those teenagers because we simply tried to live this type of love. I think everything that we've been looking for in life, everything that we've been waiting for, everything that we've been longing for in our life, striving for in our life, everything we've been longing for in our relationships, in marriages, in relationships with our kids, or maybe our relationships with our parents, siblings, 
extended family, these holiday times are going to get real awkward real quick for some of us. Everything that we've been longing for in our relationships, not just in our relationship with God, but in our relationships one with another, everything is answered in Christ and in his love. It's answered in this. It's answered in living this way, like we've been born of God and that we know God with this love that is defined by God. Everything you've been looking for in life, longing for in life, is answered by loving this way. Putting yourself out there again. And I know that's going to be hard. I know that's hard for some of us. Because some of us have been really, really hurt. Some of us, you're walking in, you're going to walk into another family situation around the holidays, and uncle so-and-so has really hurt you. Grandma so-and-so did this, or whatever it is. Bring that hurt to Jesus. Bring that hurt to Jesus. Allow him to minister to you by his Holy Spirit and dig in deep and love him like this. Dig in deep and reach across that table. Lay yourself down and love them like this for them, for the glory of Christ, and for your relationship with Christ. You understand that? There's a lot of times where we're holding on to a bunch of that stuff and everything you've been longing for in your life is, is, is made possible, is, is brought about by you actually living this God-defined love. Letting it go. Laying yourself down and watching the glory of Christ manifest. Read our text once again. You're going to see the effect of this love. Verse 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Okay, this type of love. There's no other type of love. I should, probably stop, I should probably stop using that phrase. There's no other type of love. Love is this. It's reaching and it's sacrificial. It's laying down your life. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So here's the effect. When we love, truly love, God-defined love, people see God. People see God. That's not, that's, that's not a slight thing. That's not a minor thing. That's a huge thing. Through the book of John, we've been talking about beholding. I've been using that word so many times. To actually behold Christ, to actually see him. There's too many, too much mental assent, too much, yeah, I know God, yeah, I know that. Yeah, it's just religion, yes, it's just church, it's just whatever. But to see and behold, to cherish and treasure Christ above all, that's beholding. That's seeing God. And if we love, no one has ever seen God, but if we love his if we love like this, we love like him, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. People see God. This is the type of love that we're supposed to be known by. John 13. We read this a few months ago. New commandment I give to you, right? New commandment. It's love. Love is not new. It's not new. We talked about this. Why is, it, why is he calling it a new commandment? A new commandment I give to you that you love, right? That's agape love. That's sacrificial love. That laying down of your life, love. 
that you love one another just as I have loved you. He just got done washing their feet. Even Judas's feet. Even the betrayer's feet. Even the one who's going to hurt him so bad. That's love. Love just as I loved you. That's the new commandment. You are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are mine if you love one another, if you have love for one another. This agape love. This is what we're known for. Is it what we're known for? It's funny how people like to be known for certain things. I remember in high school. Like, you have all your cliques in high school, right? This group was known for this. This group was known for this. I think it's funny. Like, we all want our identity. We all want to be known for certain things. I, like, you see it, like, tattoos. Pe people with tattoos, all you tattoo people, right? Like, that's a big commitment, right? You really got to, like, own that, want that. Like, and this is what I'm going to be known for. Do you ever come across somebody who's got a tattoo, and you're like, really, dude? Like, really? Like, in, like an old band that they used to like or something like that. It's like, oh, man, really? That's, okay. Or, like, any causes. Like, bumper stickers. I don't understand bumper sticker people. Like, that's what you want to be known for? Like, you're going to walk around with that on your car? Like, drive around with that on your car? You ever looked at a bumper sticker and go, man, that guy's an idiot. We'd never be friends. <laughs> All the time. Amen. Amen. Just being honest. Right? That's what people want to be known for. Like, but us, the Church of Jesus Christ, must be known for love. Real love. Not for what we voted for, who we voted for. Not for... Uh, how we do whatever for the way that we love each other, the way that we lay down our lives for each other, the way that we reach with our love, the way that we are not selfish with our living, but everything has been purchased by King Jesus. The longing of our soul is satisfied when we love like Jesus loved, when we get this. And I know this is like a simple message. It's a love message. I think, by and large, the Church of Jesus Christ, particularly here in America, we don't get this. We pay a lip service. We use the word love with zero actual meaning. There's no reaching. There's no sacrifice. There's no laying of down. There's me and mine and me and mine and me and mine. Divisions in churches, divisions in families, because we don't get love. That love that was displayed manifest by sending his son to pay for our sin, to be the propitiation, to take on the wrath of God. That's how we live. That's what we're called to do. And so in this place today, I'm going to invite the band to come. It's going to get weird here, just so you know, just because I'm going to put on a guitar in a minute too. But I want you to respond to the Holy Spirit today. We're going to sing a little bit. We'll probably formally dismiss, and then we'll probably invite you to stay into worship. And there might be areas of your life where you need to repent, where you need to turn, where you need to confess, where you need just to do some business with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've got a challenging relationship in your life. Maybe you've got something coming at the holidays coming up, and you know it's going to be challenging. Where you've got to dig in deep, and you've got to love like, Jesus, like we have been born of God, and if we know God, we're going to love like God. If we do not love, we don't know God. We're going to have to dig in deep, press into the Spirit, allow Him to change that heart, to change these actions, to change my actions, to change my living so that I actually live out this love from Jesus.
I'm going to pray and let's stand and let's worship and let's do some business with the Holy Spirit. If you need prayer, I'm going to ask Chris uh, to be available uh, and maybe some of the prayer team folks if you need prayer about something. Please, I say that every week. Okay, this is going to be, this is not meant to be, um, I'm not scolding you, just, just so you know, I'm not scolding you. But I say that every week, like if you need prayer, nobody does it, ever. And I don't know how to change the culture of our church in that way, um, but I'm going to try real hard. And maybe if I just confess it like this and just be plain about it, maybe we'll do it. Be like, like, and if it's not Chris or if it's not me praying for you, that's fine. But pray with somebody. Pray with your community group leader in this room. Pray with your brothers and sisters in this room, whatever it is. If you need prayer, I used to say this all the time. Like, there's not a Sunday that goes by that we shouldn't be praying for somebody or be prayed for by somebody. To inject the Holy Spirit, to ask the Holy Spirit to be in a situation. Even if it's just to get through the week. I really, like, I needed to dig in deep this week between sickness in my house and health stuff with my mom. Many of you guys have been keeping up with the prayer requests and stuff with my mom and some of the chaos with that this week. Like, I barely made it through, man. I barely, I barely made it through this week. Praise be to God. He's so faithful. So I say that if you need prayer, pray. Reach out. Don't be shy. Let me say it. Not shy. Don't be prideful. Just call it what it is. Pray. All right, let's do some business. Father, thank you for this morning. And I thank you that we have everything we need in you. You've been so gracious in giving us you. Not just showing us love or giving us words and describing it somehow, but you gave us you. You, gave, you sent your son and you've given us your Holy Spirit. And so we're lacking nothing to actually accomplish this. And so God, where there is pride, let it be crucified. Where there is flesh and selfishness getting in the way, God, let us bring it to you and crucify that flesh to crawl upon the altar of God again today and allow you to accomplish your goodwill in us. God be glorified. God be glorified. Only, only God be glorified. Thank you for this time. God, help us respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing.